Between Apple's new iPads and Apple Watches and Facebook's Oculus VR conference, we have a lot to break down. So let's get right into it. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. There is a rush of new tech products that are coming out, and at the center of all this madness is Scott Stein, CNET's editor-at-large and amateur magician. Welcome, Scott. Hey, it's been a while since I've done magic. I've been too busy. It has been a busy time. Why don't we start with Apple? Since you've got your hands-on impression on some of these out this morning, let's start with the 8th Gen iPad, which essentially it's the same device, probably a little bit faster, a little smarter for this for 329 bucks. So what what is of note with the new 8th Gen iPad? Well, the one thing that's interesting is everyone's waiting seemingly for the iPad Air, which is the fancier looking one that's coming in October, which Apple does sometimes. They stagger the releases. And the good news is that the 8th Gen iPad is basically the 2019 iPad Air. The one that last year was the middle iPad had an A12 processor. That processor is in the 8th gen iPad now, if you can keep track of all that. So it just means that you're getting a really good iPad for a pretty low price. I mean, everything else about it is the same. There's not much to say there. It uses the first gen Apple iPad accessory. So it uses the old pencil that sticks in the lightning port and it uses older keyboard cases, not the magic keyboard. So that's a little frustrating and has lightning instead of USB-C. But I mean, whatever, it's a very, very solid product. I've just dipped my toes into using it. Um, But I think it it really, the fact that I was recommending the iPad Air a few months ago as the go-to one, the old one, makes me really recommend this one now. And we'll see how the iPad Air fancier one does, but that starts at $600. It's not cheap. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see whether that feels too tweenery. Yeah, let's break down the iPad Air because that is, I know you don't have it yet. It doesn't come out until October. Uh, This is, it runs on this A14 chip. I think there's some confusion about whether or not this was actually faster than the iPad Pro. Is this, uh, because the iPad Pro runs on an A12Z and if you're just looking at it from numbers, you're like, well, 14 is better than 12, right? So what, can you offer some context here? It's two digits higher. This sounds very promising. But then you've got a letter on the other one. It's totally confusing. Like Apple has not really clarified it too much. Uh, technically, it sounds like, based on their, their wording on this, that the iPad Pro is still the fastest iPad. And the, the, the thing about the Z and the X chips is they add a lot more cores and graphics. So they're, they're, they're beefed up on the kind of the back end. And that could definitely make a difference. Uh, the A14 is a totally new chip. Like Apple, usually they would put that on the next iPhone, and they they most likely will. But now it's first on the iPad Air, and for all we know, the Air is going to come out at the same time as the iPhones. We don't even know. I mean, it's October release, so the iPad Air performance is a total unknown. It's supposed to be faster than the A12, but that's not a surprise. Uh, it would not surprise me that some of the graphics, video stuff, might still be better on the iPad Pro, but that one was not really a big performance bump this year over the 2018 model. So, shrug? So, I want to talk a little bit about the price, too, because you mentioned it's $100 more than last year's model. Does that change the calculation for the iPad Air? Like, is this now, is this too expensive? $600 um, is not cheap. And I think that if it depends. If you were thinking about getting an iPad Pro, and then you go, oh, this one's a little less, that sounds great. Sure, it is. But um, it is not a cheap iPad by any means. And 
you know, really how much are you going to pile onto it? The accessories start getting really expensive. Any, any of these things, the more you start using them, you probably want the pencil, which is $100 or $100 something. You probably want a keyboard case. The Magic Keyboard is like basically $300. Um, you know, it's, it's, you're pushing $1,000 for the configuration with also with storage because the iPad Air starts with 64 gigs of storage, which is borderline passable, but it's not if you're going to be using this for any serious stuff and it's not upgradable. So, and that's the same thing for the entry-level iPad. 329 is kind of a phantom price. That's a 32 gig of storage. I would definitely say get the 429 with 128 because 32 gigabytes, you're going to run out of space like instantly. So I, I think that's like just one of those things that gets you in the door and then suddenly you're paying more. So I, I, I do think Apple incrementally does price games all the time at these things. I, I just think that um, it's going to seem nice for the air if you were considering getting a pro. Then uh, we've also got Apple Watches. Uh, there's the Apple Watch SE, obviously it's supposed to be the budget model, but is that too expensive for the quote unquote you know budget version of the the, the top end devices? It is super expensive. Uh, you know, I didn't expect a price increase. You know, one ninety nine is kind of the going price for Apple Watches on sale, or the Apple Watch Series three. I think is the standard price for it. Um, Two seventy nine is is a big jump up. It's basically three hundred dollars. Another thing to keep in mind is that Apple's talking about family setup. Just, I've been doing an ongoing thing of setting up this for my kid as a, as a watch phone. And that's a really cool proposition. But, but the watches that are compatible, the cheapest one is the SE, which with cellular, which is mandatory, is $330. Then you're paying for a $10 a month add-on to your cell phone bill. So that's basically like buying an iPhone, but it's a watch. So... I think price-wise, it kind of doesn't. It kind of flatlines. Uh, just keeping that in mind, I, I'm, I'm let down about the price. Um, we'll see how it performs, but it better perform well for for that price. That's that's a kind of premium watch price. Right, and then the Apple Watch Series Six, obviously the, the top end version. You know, a lot of attention was given to the, the blood oxygen monitoring. That was really almost the sole big feature for this device. Is that going to be too wonky of a feature for people? Like, you know, I know they've been going down this health route for a while, but is this enough for folks to go, oh, well, I need to go out and buy this for the, the blood oxygen monitoring. Like, I got to have that. Well, it's a pretty common feature on, on fitness watches now. And the question is whether they do it in the background while you sleep, which is what Fitbit will be doing, um, or do a spot check. Withing ScanWatch does a spot check. Uh, Apple notably does not make any health claims to this. Like, they are really backing off on any... They don't know how accurate it's, it's. It's basically it's not going to be as accurate as a pulse ox, but um, it, technically. So you, you know, one of those things you put on your finger, and but but you know. So the question is like, so what does that really mean? It's not even going to give you notifications if your blood oxygen is low, but it is so far doing both spot checks and background checks, which is cool. So that's nice. I checked it a few times. It's like, oh, I'm ninety five. I'm ninety eight. I, I hope that's okay. You know, I do think much like heart rate, it'll get to the point where like, if you see something abnormally low, that's a really good metric to be like, maybe you should see a doctor. I, I think down the road, they're doing all those health studies over the next year. I think that in a year's time, they're going to pull out some actual, maybe FDA cleared health results, possibly that could become much more valuable. I don't really think you need it now. It's it's a It's a bit of a, side feature um 
So and that's kind of how I interpret it now. It's it's okay to have though. It's nice to have. Yeah, I was discussing this with Ian on the show on Tuesday, you know, sort of our, our immediate reactions. And it was like, oh, this is more data, but the data is not that useful if it's just you're just getting a bunch of it without context, right? It's important for Apple because Apple needs to push into new territories to do health and, and medical studies. And if you're going to look at things like COVID or basically, you know, the symptoms associated with COVID or a symptom associated with wellness, which all these companies are pursuing to have some sort of advance, are you getting sick check? Well, then they need more data. And, and Apple basically beefed up its sensors a little bit, but they didn't get into temperature. They didn't get into, you know, no one's done blood pressure really, but like, you know, temperature has been kind of a hot sensor this year and so to speak. And they haven't done that. Got it. So let's let's switch gears because it was a busy couple of days. Yeah. For you, for everyone here at CNET, the F- Facebook Connect is the the company's big virtual reality conference. It's previously known as Oculus Connect before they rebranded it. Um, had a, a number of big announcements. Uh, you know, one of the biggest obviously is Oculus Quest Two. It's a follow up to the original Quest, which has been a really hot device during this lockdown. Uh, you've had a chance to to play with it to review. What, what do you think? Yeah, well, I was really shocked that it, I predicted this in my preview that it might get better and less expensive, and it did, which um, is is a is a big power move from Facebook. And I think clearly they want to get this thing on people's faces. I don't know what the thing costs to make, but I think they are definitely trying to push it into like like it feels like Amazon and the Echo. You know, they basically need to. It's a Facebook product. They want to get people into that world. Um, it, it, look, that processor, the Qualcomm XR2, is several generations above what the other one was. I covered that over the past year. It, it's like it's equivalently like the top end uh, recent Android phone chips, but but VR optimized. So it technically could be great, but I say technically because it still runs the same Oculus Quest apps, and they're making it basically. If you already bought one, like my my nephew did a few months ago, I was kind of telling him to calm down. The price drop sucks if you already bought one or it's good if you haven't but a lot of it feels the same i think some of the stuff the 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 display resolution is much better i feel like it's much crisper um lcd over oled so the black levels are a little different but that's common to vr controllers are the same they're a little bit bulkier better battery life it's it's the same proposition but i think that um you know the, the head strap and some of the way it feels i'm a little less wild about they definitely went with a, a simpler elastic strap uh, that's more portable, but it, it, it doesn't fit my head and eyes quite as well. But they're selling a lot of like fit packs and straps and battery packs that you could probably get one, but you're going to spend up. I still think it's like it is the best VR thing or even one of my favorite game consoles, period. But there's this looming thing about Facebook that, um, you know, we should also talk about, which is like, they're making it mandatory to log into Facebook yeah. from now on. So, so I want to get into Facebook, but just to, for our listeners, like how much does this thing cost and how much is it uh, stepped down from the original Quest? Yeah, so it's $300 and the, the previous one was 400 and it comes with 64 gigs of storage. That's that's okay. Like it, it, could, it could store on 64 gigs of storage probably a, a dozen or so apps. The problem is that you, you may have to start deleting them and then reinstalling them. There's usually some cloud save data. But the bump up one now goes up to 256 gigs of storage, which is twice what the other one had, which is plenty. So that's a that's a great price to me. That's like, you know, it's a Nintendo Switch price. It, it, it's definitely like buying a gadget, but it's all in. It also doubles as a PC VR headset, 
um, through a USB-C cable. So if you wanted to, you could do that. Uh, I, I don't think there's nothing that out there that touches that for performance and price. Like there just is absolutely nothing. And uh, so I think that as a result for it's like apps and all the things I've been doing on it, fitness, it's spectacular. But I think like it's spectacular dot, dot, dot. What about the Facebook thing? Yeah. So that's the thing. Like you, you've got to log in. There's also, you know, the fact that they, they've rebranded Facebook Connect or Oculus Connect to Facebook Connect. They really want to make this a Facebook thing. Is that smart given the baggage that is associated with the Facebook brand and the privacy concerns that are so looming around this company? So I spoke with Andrew Bosworth, who's their, uh, the VP of VR and AR, about some of this stuff. And I, I think it almost sounds like they needed to in their minds, and, and maybe they do need to, period. Uh, you know, they wanted to be, I think like their new, their new mottos are like, number one is no surprises, whatever, you know, you can say whatever that means because Facebook has been full of surprises, um, you know, in many ways over the past few years. Um, but I think what they're saying is like, they, Facebook is about collecting data. Facebook is about serving ads. They're, they're going to have to look at that for VR and AR. So they're doing these experiments and projects. But I think that they're making that aware right up front that like, this is a Facebook product and guess what? That's going to be part of the equation. So I think that that's part of what renaming it is about so that people aren't like, but wait a second, isn't this Facebook? And they're just like, yes, we are telling you what we're doing. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's all that sinister at this point with, with VR, but like, you know, there are changes in the terms of, of privacy and information with when it comes to VR. Um, when you're logging into Facebook, you know, part of that could be used to serve up ads. It's not really clear what, you know, they're, they're claiming more pri- some, some removal and protection and privacy of identity and things, but it, it's a little fuzzy. You know, all companies have products where you log in with their I, I, Apple IDs, et cetera. So in that sense, somebody said to me on a comment, like, why is this any different? That's totally true, but the thing is that Facebook, when it comes to data and privacy, has been not great at all lately. So for for that, and I think that's you know that that's been been seen. So I think that that's where you get a little nervous. I get a little nervous about that. Would I still use it? Yes, it's that good that I would use it, and because I have a Facebook account, so like I'm not trying to make it seem like weirder than that, but I just think, it, you know, I've noticed in developers and, and people buying it, it, it is a big thing people are bringing up. And I think it's something you underline if you're considering getting this, look, just are you, are you okay with that? Other than that, it's a great system. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind they're, they're over the last year, and I wouldn't say this is a recent problem. This is a problem that they've been dealing with for a couple of years now. Yeah. There have been people who have logged off or have quit Facebook, right? And so um, to be able to access these devices, they'd have to re-sign back on again. You know, that's yeah. that's a hard pill for some folks who, you know, have been turned off by the business model. Uh, beyond beyond the VR headset, beyond the Oculus Quest too. The other the other interesting thing is uh, push into AR. Uh, and you got a chance when you talked with uh, with Andrew Bosworth to, to talk a little bit about their their AR project. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I did. And also upcoming, I have a conversation with Michael Abrash, who's their, their head of Facebook Reality Labs research also on this topic. And um, so I've, I've been learning a lot. And so th- they have a lot of ambitions in AR. And that's where things get really wild and also even more full of questions. They're field testing. Well, they announced that they're coming out with smart glasses next year, which was a surprise. 
But what those are could be more like Snapchat spectacles, you know, like they, they could be very basic things. Uh, the, the idea of augmented reality mixed, you know, virtual worlds on your face, they're testing how to do that. And they have the, they're sending 100 people out in the Bay Area in Seattle wearing these very sensor laden scanning glasses called Project Aria that are almost like the equivalent of Google Maps cars in the sense that not only will they be able to look at how data is collected, but they can use it to scan the environment in 3D. And this is something that all the big companies are doing right now. Like Apple, with their 3D maps, like the, the, the stuff they have in Apple Maps is LiDAR-based. That's AR-connected. Google's doing this through Maps. Microsoft is looking at this. Um, Magic Leap, Niantic is doing this. Everyone wants to scan the world in 3D and then have it interact with a future world of like, you know, ambient stuff in AR. It's part of the picture. So what the hell does that mean? You know, Facebook is trying to basically use this as a project to think about how they can collect data safely, how they can balance privacy versus what they need. They've admitted it's a research project and, and they don't know the answers. Um, I think for us, that's also true. We do not know the answers here. The concerns are valid. But I think that app, uh, Facebook is, is looking to make smart glasses. They won't define when, but with AR stuff, they, they think of it as a decade-long mission. And I think they're in a race with, with Apple and with everyone else to, to get that stuff out there. And I'm sure it'll be incremental where they'll start ramping up the features over, over the years. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. These, it's, interestingly, these smart glasses they tease but for next year, I don't think we have a lot of details, but they're they're supposed to be Ray Ray Band branded. So, yeah. and at least from what we saw, they look kind of cool. I guess we'll see how much they actually what they'll actually do. That's still kind of a question, right? Well, I think what's going to happen is like, and this will be true for Apple, I bet as well. You know, it's kind of like the first Apple Watch didn't do all that much, or the uh, first iPhone. These first smart glasses, I think the Snapchat spectacles, or even like what Google Glass did way back, they had some glasses partnerships. You'll probably see like really nice glasses from these companies that maybe had or Bose frames had audio AR, which Facebook is looking at too. I think if you put audio and things like that in, you could basically have sound, you could have notifications, camera. It sounds kind of like the stuff that's already been out there and it will, I think it will be, but they're going to start dipping their toes in with that and then adding bits over time would be my guess. So it's like one or two features now and then the next year, it's like, like a lot of these products, you know, like, and then there's another feature next year, like Apple adds blood oxygen. You know, everyone's going to have like a little tweak every year as they get more on the road to it. Um, but they're going to start with lightweight things versus a big, crazy HoloLens on your head. No, that sounds smart. And yeah, it, it's clear this whole area, this whole category is going to take baby steps forward for the, for the foreseeable future. Uh, well, thanks for running through this very long laundry list of tech, Scott. Appreciate it. Of course. <laughs> uh, on a random note, I just want to say happy Optimus Prime Day, which celebrates the theatrical release of the original Transformers movie back in 1984, which, in my opinion, is still the best Transformers movie and the only one, really. Uh, if you have any questions about these products uh, or Transformers, for that matter, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. And you can read all of our Facebook and Apple coverage on CNET.com. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. You got the touch! You got the touch.